Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 13th chapter. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share of me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said, One who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he had put on his robe and had returned to the table. He said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. As we have talked several times over the past year that I've been with you. There's different Gospels, and they give different accounts of what happened and when it happened, and the reading we have from today is no different uh, than any of those other times. This is Maundy Thursday, not Monday Thursday. I heard that frequently growing up in my head. I'd never heard the word Maundy before. I mean, if you don't know what something means, you just kind of, well, it's close to this. I must misunderstood them, and that's really what it is, right? So I thought it was Monday Thursday had no idea what that meant. But it is Maundy Thursday, M-A-U-N-D-Y. 
And that comes from the Latin word mandatum. And can you hear a root word in that Latin word mandatum? Anybody have an idea? Mandate. Right? Mandate. And we use that word mandate Thursday because at the end of our scripture it says, I give you a new commandment. Right? Jesus is telling them they need to do this. I give you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. And so what happens in John's gospel is different than what happens in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's where we get those words that we just heard from 1 Corinthians. Um, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Those words of institution. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that's when Jesus institutes communion. He takes the bread, he takes the wine. That does not happen in John. John has what we just heard. Jesus washes their feet. And then he says, I give you a new commandment. To love one another as I have loved you. What I find interesting about that is on first thought, I ask myself, what is new about that? Didn't we already know to love, right? Other three Gospels, they all have a similar story, not with Jesus washing their feet, but in conversations that Jesus has with people in which the question is asked, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment, right? And Jesus gives an answer. What is the greatest commandment? Anyone remember? You got it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And he says the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Sounds pretty similar. In fact, that goes back to Deuteronomy 6 when it's very similar words. I wrote it down here so I'd get it correct. At least I think I did. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Recite these to your children. Say them when you wake up and when you go to bed. Right? To love is not new. But yet there is an aspect of this that is new, that is not part of the other ones. When Jesus says, Love one another as I have loved you. Anybody feel a little weighed down by that commandment? (laughs) Right? For two reasons. One, what he just did. Washing feet. Peter's first response when Jesus is going to wash his feet is to say, not going to do it, Jesus. Right? Don't do it. That is something that only slaves or servants do for the masters. They do for others. Because I'm sure you, I'm going to say I'm sure, I would assume at some point as you've attended church through the years, you have heard the pastor or in a Bible study or whatever talk about feet in ancient times, right? We even talked about them a little. Maybe you haven't. How many people like their feet now? Oh, you do? All right. You like your feet now, Fred? Nothing wrong with them. I think you're in a minority right? Most people's feet are gross. And we have nice shoes. We have socks. There's lotion. People get pedicures, right? Get them all prettied up. They didn't have any of that in the days of Jesus. If you had something to put on your feet, it was a sandal. And many people didn't even have that. You know, slaves, servants didn't have that. And then it's not like it was paved roads where you'd get in a car, buckle the seatbelt, 
and you know, an hour later you're somewhere else or get across the country, get across the world, you get in a plane and someone brings you a drink in your cramped seat, whatever it might be. If you traveled somewhere back then, what did you have to do? How do you think people's feet were back then? Pretty gross, right? Pretty gross. It was customary in that day when you went to someone's home there would be a, bo- a, a, a bowl of water in which maybe a servant would wash the feet of the guests, or you could do that for yourself. But you wouldn't have the owner of the home, the host, wash your feet. So that's one aspect, right? When Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. He's doing that. He's really lowering himself, and he's serving them. But we've already said this is the Right? We're in the middle of the Passion Week of Jesus. He's about to get betrayed and killed. How appealing does that sound to people? It doesn't, does it? These are really hard words of Jesus for us today. And I'll be very blunt. When Jesus says to love one another the way I have loved you, I want to say I'll do my best And in reality, there's no way I can, right? I just can't. I need to admit that right away. And so this day does have a bit of heaviness or weighs down on me a little bit as I prepare because Jesus is commanding us. There isn't, you know what would be a nice idea, everybody? (laughs) If you have the time, if you don't mind... I give you a new commandment, mandatum. I mandate you. If you hear that word, mandate, right? I mandate. Love one another as I have loved you. I ultimately will fail at it. I just need to admit that. But I think while we will fail, ultimately, This should set our course for our life together, communally and individually. How do we go about making decisions? Is it simply what is best for me? Or is it what is best for you? And do I trust that will also be best for me? Does that make sense? How do I do what's best for you? Trusting that is what's best for me as well. That we're in this together. We're not in some zero-sum game that what you get takes away from what I have or what I have takes away from what you have. Love doesn't have a limit. Right? If it was a debit card, you couldn't put it in and say insufficient funds. Or if it was a credit card, you wouldn't go over your limit and say, well, I guess it ran out. It just doesn't work that way. So how do we make decisions based on what is best for others, knowing that is best for me also? Which reminded me of a couple quotes that came up. Um, One is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and we've talked about him a little bit before. I know you guys... I probably um, know more about him than I, I do. Um, but a German theologian, 
from World War II um, was captured uh, in an assassination plot for Hitler and was killed himself just uh, shortly before World War II ended. But I liked what he had to say about the church. The church is only the church when it exists, when it exists for others, not dominating but helping and serving. It must tell people of every calling what it means to live for Christ, and that is to exist for others. So I think it's a posture that we have as church. It's a posture we have as individuals. Another uh, one that is very similar to it, William Temple, Archbishop of Canterbury. So you have the Church of England, uh, which is the Episcopal Church here, or Anglican in England, and one of their, uh, the head of their church is the Archbishop of Canterbury, at the time William Temple, and he says this about the church. It is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of others. The church is only the, oh, that's, I went into my next quote, quote. The church is on, the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of others. When Christ lived, he lived for the benefit of others. He lived for the benefit of you. He lived for the benefit of me. He lived for the benefit of those disciples, right? It wasn't about the fact that he was God and he can do whatever he wanted. But rather, what did you need? And that's what he did. How do we take that mindset, of which we will fail, of which we will be forgiven, and yet let that be our guide as we go forward in life? What is best for you? Trust that will be what is best for me. That is the mandate of Christ. That is what it means to live as a Christian not for ourselves, but for the sake of others. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.